Hi everyone, Curtis Takahashi here, introducing the latest episode of Gaming NBS, the most awesome RPG podcast out there. Sit back, grab a cold or a hot one, and let the princes of podcasts, Sean and Brett, discuss everything RPG. Whether you want to hear it or not, it's good for you. If you can, please support on Patreon. Now, let the info dump commence. Thank you. That was a wonderful intro. That was awesome. Do we have any more slots open for folks to do that if they're interested? Well, yes, we have slots. I'm just checking. So if you're interested in uh, introducing one of the uh, episodes of Gaming NBS, head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash intro sign up. All one there you go. word. Yeah. And then pick a slot that nobody's claimed. You know, 30 seconds is the sweet spot. Make it your own if you'd like. But yeah, please. We'd like to get through the entire like fifty-two weeks of Year of the BSer with a a person introing each episode from the community. Absolutely. So absolutely. And speaking of stuff to sign up for, BSercon. Shit, dude, that's next month. It is so <laughs> I gotta get the dates right. So I put up dates and then people were like, Are those the dates? because uh, I want you know that's <laughs> so I'm gonna change the dates. What? Well, no, not the dates of the con. Okay. All right. Event submission is open now. Badge submission is open now. So you buy a badge. You go to gamingabs.com forward slash BSer con. That'll take you to the site. You buy, you register, sign up, then buy a badge. Then you can submit your events. Event registration or event sign up is not open yet. That will open in January, probably, I think, actually, I think I have like the 10th or something maybe down already. I have to check. Once that opens up, then people will sign up for games. And then once we open it up for event some event sign up, I'll keep the event submissions open in case people want to put more events on the list to do. Awesome. So there. Yes. Very, very cool. Oh, damn. We've got some good stuff out there too, so yeah, I definitely. I've got some games I'm going to run. We got some seminar stuff happening. We've got a painting room. So kudos to Sean, <clears throat> as I've said many times. Sean's the uh, reason we have the active community and stuff. I do not. That is not a skill set I have. I talk a lot, um, but Sean is good at organizing this type of thing. So this is pretty cool. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I it's gonna be fun. I, good fun. <clears throat> no, I just, I seriously, just for me to you again, I appreciate the work you're putting into it because. I've organized a con before. It's no small feat, even online. A lot of crap to do. And uh, a lot of feedback solicited and unsolicited <laughs> can come your way. <laughs> but that's awesome. It's awesome that people are interested and they're talking about it. So it should be a good time. Um, Let's see here. How's the gaming, man? Anything happened since we talked last week? I have played in the Cyberpunk Red game. And that was about it. It was fine. It was good. It was good fun. Uh, now we got uh, a lot of people got arrested. Uh-oh. So we have variations in bail. And so- Is that why the- Oh, wait. So just like characters got arrested? Or is this why the game's postponed? Characters got arrested. Okay. Just, just Players checking. are fine. I, I know some of these guys, and they're usually pretty- Pretty calm people, but you never know. Characters got arrested. I could, I could see Doc losing his shit, potentially. Never know. 
No. Okay, cool. Characters got arrested, so... All right, all right. So now we got to lay low and trying to work that out, right? Like even, you know, Johnny Cash did a gig in prison. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little Folsom, a little Folsom prison, yeah. loose action. Yeah, there you well, go. It gives us a bad boy rep, right? Which it does. Which is what it totally we go does. for. Yeah. I like it. I like so what you're doing. Working, working it to our advantage. Very cool. You? you did you game, Brett? I totally did, Sean. My guys went from we were gonna my so first off, my kids and I were gonna do some Call of Cthulhu and then um they got busy gaming with some friends of theirs online and hanging out. I'm like, that's cool, go play with your friends. And uh, but my Greyhawk game is continuing on quite well. They went through lost another character. Um they're in the Serax. Okay, spoilers. So they're in the demiplane. Um, they're almost to the fortress of conclusion in a way. They got to ferret their way and figure out what's what and go get around there. And they found this um, this roulette wheel type of thing. My buddy Nick, he's a gambler, as in loves to gamble. So they figured out the rules of the game, started doing it, and then when Alpha's character, his wisdom went to like twenty four. Like holy shit, that can happen! Whoa, and nothing horribly bad happened to anybody else that time. Oh, wow, this can't be that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next time through, yeah, Nick died. <laughs> his soul was completely drained out of his body, and he turned into a moldering corpse. Like, oh, wow. I looked at Nick and said, sorry. He goes, is this the second time I died this way? I said, pretty much. He goes, god damn it. <laughs> but they're doing really well. They're doing uh, colossally well. They have... Um, it's, it's sketchy and dangerous, and where they are right now is... Um, I think my buddy Lenny said it best. He's like, I'm finding it hard to be like charge forward heroic. He said we're <clears throat> he said everything is a lot more cautious because we are no longer at all where we were, right? As far as like the prime plane in D terms. Healing spells, any healing effects are only 75%. If they're not dressed properly because the bitter freezing cold, they're taking hit point around. Like, okay, okay, shit's getting like Shit's weird. Shit's serious. It's creepy. They fight weird ass frozen zombies. Things that like hit you and light you on fire. And it's just, oh my God, this is weird. So they're getting very cautious, which is smart. It's not like they're playing recklessly before, but now they're, uh, they're on edge, which is exactly where I want them to be right now. So it's good. Another game session tomorrow for that. So that'll be good. We'll see how far they get. Who else dies? If anybody. Sweet. Yeah, it should be good. Let's see here. Anything else, man? Any more announcements? Anything cool? No? <laughs> All right, then let's talk uh, this random encounter. Well, we got a couple of them, so let's get at it. Random encounter. Segment of the show, we feel <clears throat> emails, voicemails, comments from social media have a couple this week. One write in, one comment from Rory, and a voicemail. You know what, Sean? I'll, I'll, I'll break it and I'll, I'll read Rory's. All right. I'll start off here. So, Rory comments on episode 368 Hack Job or No. Enjoying this week's attempt by Brett to understand Sean's enigmatic jamming philosophy. I find myself hacking by bolting on subsystems and tweaking spell lists, especially for clerics. I hate the one-size-fits-all cleric lists, and I experience rage when I see fey patron warlocks with hellfire and armor of Agatha's spells, and I cannot hack the generic D&D spell list. I want to request some sort of gaming BS product featuring the phrase, 
Brett's mom thinks insert game hack system is cool. I think I think it'd be fun. Awesome show as always, Rory. Thanks, Rory. And I like the idea. I think we get that on a shirt, Sean. We should do that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Rory. Because my mom was a big Mer- Middle Earth role playing fan. I could always do that one and wear that one around. It could be Brett's, Brett's mom, mom was a Merp fan. Brett's mom is a Merp fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which everybody was like, who the fuck is that? Why do I care? Yeah. Never mind. If That's you know, like the you bumper know. stickers here in Madison that says I'm with Fran. I'm like, I don't know who Fran is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand that. What's the deal? <laughs> yeah. No, thanks, Rory. I think that then when you the idea here was um Sean and I talk a lot about different things back and forth. And as we talk about buying new games or what's drawing us to something or whatever, I thought, you know, it is interesting because the other piece I wanted to do through this was kind of the Periodically, Sean, I'll bring up like an, an introspective topic, like why do we do or what's going on here, there, and everywhere else. And uh, Sean and I have known each other longer than the seven years we've been doing this together. But even so, as you're gaming with people, sometimes you get, I know I, I felt prey to this with my home group. I've been with these guys 20 plus years. And you get down to, oh, I know them. Oh, I know what they like. Oh, I got this. Oh, they love this. Oh, this is fine. Oh, he, she, they, they're all cool. It's all good. When in fact, they're not. And they hate something. And they've just been long suffering because they're friends of yours and they love you and they've been hanging out with you for 20 years. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to broach these type of things because Sean and I would have little on mic, off mic banter, quasi argument, poking fun at each other. And I thought, you know, let's just ask him. Let's talk about it because there's there was some cool shit I learned about, um, Sean, the different things you liked and so forth. And it, it's interesting to see how we can... Uh, we can disagree, but when we do agree, sometimes, like, as my wife would say, I am, I am violently agreeing with you. <laughs> like, why are you arguing with me when you agree with me? I'm like, I don't know, you know, type of thing. So, uh, anyway, cool. I, I had fun. I had fun talking with you about that stuff. So that was cool. Sweet. Now I know who Fran is because somebody is Aaron. Let me know in the chat. Who is Fran? Thanks, Aaron. Apparently. Fran is, uh, she used to work at the garage at Union Cab here in Madison, was active in some communities. Go oh. figure. Well, there we go. Yeah. Nice. Well, so, thank you, Rory. Yeah. Thanks, and Fran, Rory. apparently. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we move on to the voicemail? Let's do yeah, that. Yeah, let's hit up old voicemail from Timothy Stone. Let's see if I got the right one here. Here it is. Hey, Brett and Sean, this is uh, Timothy Stone giving you guys a call about a previous episode. Fortunately, I couldn't tell you which one it was. It was something that caught me, um, something I think, uh, Sean, you were talking about the new Twilight 2000 by Free League, and you were talking about its crunch and its feeling of a war game. actually sparked my interest a little bit, um, and I'll tell you why. Well, first reason, there's a couple reasons. Uh, the first reason is huge war game or always have been. I still enjoy some really old-school Avalon Hill games. Um, sadly, living vicariously through a lot of great YouTubers out there that uh, are doing uh, hex-and-chip wargaming. And second, it's actually an aspect of Twilight 2000 that I think could possibly be overlooked in that even in the original uh, release of Twilight 2000 back in the 80s, when I think probably many of us first encountered it. And that was the movement 
of all of the uh, attendant forces uh, within the theater, I always found that it could be difficult to sort of like make sense of what the next move would be. And that's where I think something like a hex and shit war game could be potentially beneficial almost as a side game to the actual RPG characters uh, encounters because you're going to run into Soviet forces, detached American forces and the like. And the movement uh, within the theater, I think would be important. I'm curious as to whether or not that's how you felt about it. And if you wanted to expand a little bit more on your experiences with that in the, the new Free League Twilight 2000. And if so, it, it sparks my interest and maybe makes me want to take a look to see if I want to pick up that version. I have the reprint of the original first edition as well as the CD-ROM with all of the attendant uh, 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 supplements on in PDF on CD-ROM. That's available from Far Future Enterprises if you're a big fan of that, uh, of the old game as well. Uh, curious to hear your hear your thoughts on that. Thanks. Bye. Have you ever played the Hex and Jits games? The um, when I, when I talk in Axis Analysis here, I'm talking Europa, which is like the uh, the Eastern Front. <clears throat> I have or um, Squad Leader, Advanced Squad Leader, any of that stuff. I kind of wanted to, but there was a couple friends of mine that were more into it than me, and they tended to play those games together. The problem with playing with those two is one was very competitive. I'm still friends with both of them somewhat. I just lost touch with one a little bit, but um, one was very, I mean, like in any game he would play, it was like serious play. And if he got, if he was getting beat, he got pissy about it. Yeah, this is actually, this is one of the reasons why I don't play poker with my friends. I got a couple of my buddies that are pretty easy going, but I don't give a fuck. Right when I play, because right. I'm like, I suck at this game. So right. I'm just, I'm playing to have fun hanging with my friends. Right. I do have a couple of my buddies that are like, I don't like it when you play like that because when I'm playing poker, I like this environment, which I'm like, okay, cool. Glad you told me because if I'm playing with you, Dave, I want to make sure I play more seriously, or at least put on a serious facade for you so I won't wreck it. And I actually, I ran into that same problem with my friends when I first tried to play. Uh, I, I'm saying Europa, I think that was the name of the Eastern Front. Um, chits game. We used to have at one uh, apartment I rented in Madison when I was in college. In the basement, somebody got an old ping pong table and they laid out the big fucking map and you get out there with like tweezers and moving pieces and parts. I tried to get into it, but there were two guys who were so into it, like you said, from a competitive nature, it turned me off. I, I didn't mind watching it, you know, having fun, shooting shit, drinking a beer with the guys while they played it, but I uh, I had a hard time getting into it because of that competitive nature because I didn't really care for one or lost. But yeah. anyway. So I, and and then there was the, well, why doesn't Sean play collectible card games? Why doesn't Sean play board games? Well, Sean mm. was, I like more role-playing games than anything. And Same. I didn't have the original Twilight 2000. So Timothy, I wouldn't be able to give you an, you know, an impartial unbiased perspective of the original and the new one. And there's been one in between or a couple. Well, tell you what, so Sean, let me throw this at you as an ex military guy and talking to other, other vets and stuff. I think one of the things that Timothy's talking about, like from the theater perspective, like what's going on with mo troop movements, I would think, and this is where I think 
Timothy's going and Timothy, correct me if I'm way off here, but if you as game master, even if you weren't using a chits and hexes type of um, event, it feels like it would be handy for you for like a campaign perspective to say, okay, the Russians moved in here. The Germans are here. You know, Italy's coming in from or, or something along those lines. Um, I don't know if that if that type of notion would make sense in a Twilight 2000 game, but it I when Timothy said that in, in the voicemail, I'm like that seems right. Even if you didn't use the um, um <clears throat> the notion of it as a game, you know, where you're yeah. where you're playing squad leader or something along those lines, or uh, Europa or anything a, a chits and hex type of game. Even if you just used it as a display, we could say so. Over last week, all intel tells you that these tanks have moved here, and this battalion has moved here, and this is here. Just as a visualization of saying hexes and that type of thing. It, it seems like it'd be kind of a cool add-on, but I don't know enough of it myself. Does that strike a chord with you? Well, there. Madam? If I haven't read through the whole rule set yet, but if you bust out the uh, Foundry Virtual Tabletop version of it, it has the the theater maps if you will oh nice okay and then it has the the um the the unit that is found in typical wargaming and actual life actually you know when you'd have a sit rep map in your hooch you'd have those movements tacked on and taped onto it and you'd move them around depending on what's going on the way I would run Twilight 2000, which is kind of what I'm getting from the setting itself, is that, you know, it's World War Three, man. And shit has hit the proverbial fan. So when that happens, your communication and your supply lines and your units and all that shit kind of goes out the window and it becomes more of a survival game, which is what Twilight 2000 really mm. is. So it's it goes from... Yeah, you're kind of uh, squad leader, advanced squad leader, and now your squad has been blown to bits and you're one of the remaining survivors along with maybe one other person from your unit, and that's it. So now it's like, well, what do you do for food? You know, what do you do for ammo, which are all precious resources in the game? And then you deal with, you know, the enemy. Yep. Does that even matter now? Because shit's just completely chaotic and blown to bits and then you've got the the innocent you know the the people that are in the the native folks in the country right and what their roles are so that's the way i would run run it like here's the deal it's you're either you play it's placed in usually it's placed in poland or sweden typically i mean you can place it anywhere you want it but um so then it's you know at the end, there was one big objective, right? That was supposed to be known, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like all hell's broken loose and it's done. So it's not a conventional warfare game, right? True. It's not Desert, desert Storm, Desert Shield, you know, Afghanistan. It's it's big bright lights flash before your eyes, and before you know it, everything's kind of gone. I think there's some. There's something cool about what Timothy talked about, though, having that hex approach, you know, even if you're not using it as a as a minigame per se, but there's something interesting about that from um, 
even if you were to look at those games as an inspiration perspective from a um I don't want to say this from a political bent. If you were to look at a game, say, say you run in D and D, for example, and you're like, "Hey, I'm running in Forgotten Realms." Well, huh? You know, I think Cormir would move in here, or this would happen, or I, I want a war. I want I want to have a big event of some kind. And there's some value in that kind of hex by hex where people are or where the units are supposed to be. E, uh, so I think there's there's some. There's some interesting stuff in there. I don't know when when I heard Timothy talk about that. I'm like, man, there's that's got legs, man. Well, I think there's, you some, can, cool, there's I, some there's some definitely yeah. some cool shit you can do with it. But I do buy what you're saying too. Is that if you're doing it, uh, Twilight, and I I vaguely recall the first edition, knowing that started in Poland and World War Three type of thing. Um, I haven't read it in a very very long time, and even when I did it the first time through, it was a gloss over. So. I don't know how apropos it would be for that setting or that game, but I could, man, that's got it. That's a neat idea. I like the idea that Timothy brought up there. That's I mean, cool. you can have, you know, a battalion or a battery of troops, a company mm. of troops from the enemy wandering around, you know, in, in, in a certain fashion, but I wouldn't peg it as a, well, there's the third corps Russian infantry, and then there's the seventh division, and they're coming up from the south, and these guys are coming from the north. I mean, I would almost go to the fact that everything is bits and pieces of its former self. And that's where I don't understand enough of the the lay of the land of what's where you start, because it could also. I mean, again, I'm just off the top of my head to think, huh? Well. It's blown up now, but where were things supposed to be? Because that's the truth that everybody knows to a point. So right. we're gonna head we're gonna head east. What's east? Well, hmm, last we heard, yes, the fifth and seventh and an armored division were there. Right. However, right. new intel says that armored division actually moved south. So I think we'll be okay if we head east. Okay, well let's give that a shot. Knowing full well it could all be completely fucked up, but right. That, that concept of, well, we had a theater, right? Like a conventional-ish type of theater. Huh. And those units, even your unit got fucked up, right? So everybody else is probably fucked up. However, this is what I knew to be true surrounding me, around me, in whatever areas. So that's the best until you've got, you know, it's interesting. I, I really like it. There's, I like the idea, man. That's got some legs to it. I In like that, that case, Thank yes, you. you're going to have probably like, you know, latest intel was that they were, go you know, we were going on our way to this town because that was the the last objective that we had and we were all going to converge on it. But yep, whether that's true or even remotely possible is. Well, the other thing with the that players. piece, too, I mean, I, I'm just thinking if it's a survival piece, like, OK, wait a minute, the bad guys, you know, the enemy was held up here. This was supposedly a supply dump of theirs per our intel. And that was supposedly sandwiched between an armored division and two infantry units. Huh. We need supplies. Should we assume that supply dump is gone and unavailable? Or do we do a daring raid because we need ammo and food? I don't know. Yeah, you got to throw some warlords in there too. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. And that one person who's decided no, the last thing I heard was 
go take this until you're relieved. That's my job. <laughs> right? The one person who's dedicated no matter what, like, like the stories we all heard from post-World War II, where you find some Japanese person holding this island, and you know, months or years after the fact type of thing. Can't even get the memo. Yeah. Just there's, there's some great potential here. I love that idea, Timothy. That's awesome, man. That's really got my gears turning. So cool stuff. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks, Timothy. Are we good, man? Shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on to the main topic. Where is the main topic button? (laughs) Jesus, man, I didn't load the main topic jingle? Hold on a second. Oh, good Lord. I know, this is ridiculous. You're going to have to edit all of this in post. The soundboard messed me up, man. Again, it dropped all my all the audio stuff, and I had to put it back in. And it's really pissing me off. Do we need to buy you a new soundboard for Christmas? Is that what we I may get have you? to change to a different app for sure. Probably like I think. Boss Jack or something. But yeah, it really yeah. kind of pisses me off. Um, put it on your list. Maybe maybe some fat bearded Santa guy, Brett, might buy you one for Christmas. I think I. <laughs> all right, here we go. All right, you got it. Yeah. There it is. What were we talking about this week, Brett? So one of the things that um, my group and I were talking about a while back was you're reminiscing about different game systems and stuff we've run over the years. And one of the things that, um, just to pat myself on the back, they did it for me. They said, you know, one of the things I really like about what you're doing, Brett, is that we have been ignorant of things, quasi-confused as characters or players, but we know that there's a way out, right? We don't feel like we're stuck. Somehow, whatever it is you're doing, you help us get out of that hole of paralyzation. I'm paraphrasing the longer term, many uh, whiskeys discussion we had with my friends and I. And I was thinking about it is, um, and I know Matt Colville had a video on it, and I've got that in the die roll there as well. But it can be incredibly frustrating for players and even game masters too when players feel confused or ignorant. Um, can, it, being ignorant, working towards clarity is sometimes pretty uh, pretty necessary, right? It's an investigative game. Call of Cthulhu, classic example of that. I'm trying to find out what's going on, right? What's the horrible thing in Innsmouth? What's the horrible thing that fell from space? What's this terrible blah, blah, blah? Yeah, I'm ignorant of what that is. I'm trying to uncover it. Police procedurals. I'm ignorant of who killed whom. I'm trying to find it out. Confusion can be really difficult, though. Because um, sometimes players, when they get confused, get pissed off. Like, I don't know what's going on. I can't tell what's fucking happening. This game is stupid. I don't know any idea what we're supposed to do. If you're ignorant about X, be like, well, I'm supposed to go find out who who the murderer is. Got it. But if you're like, was there even a murderer? Is it kind of, you know, those types of things can be very hard. And, you know, Sean, I was was thinking about that in the... um, kind of to your mothership games that you've talked about that we that we kibitzed about here. And I think the um, we talk about trying to keep wonderment and mystery in a game. And sometimes there is a line that game masters and players we want to walk where I don't want everything explained to me as a player. I do want to uncover it. I want to feel smart. I want to feel like I earned the, uh, hey, I figured out what, what this was. I'm no longer ignorant about this piece. Let's move on to the next chunk. I've cleared up some of my own confusion. And um, I, I think being conf- characters and sometimes even players being confused or ignorant about something that's going on in the game is kind of a desired state for a while, right? And that's okay. 
but it's a fine line to walk sometimes and um, it can be kind of challenging. So Sean's giving me a smirk. What does that mean? You, you following me or you think I'm crazy? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I follow you, man. And I think are you that's confused a, or ignorant about what I'm talking about? I, right now, Sean. I think it's pretty, I pretty dead on where I think that there is absolutely a desire to have that, and then that that line you mentioned is can become relatively fine, and then eventually it goes away, and it's like, <laughs> you know. How long do you want the players not knowing what the hell is going on? So, for instance, I ran my Access Monday game. I've talked about this a little bit. I was using the World of Darkness ostensibly as the starting system for it. They started off with a thing, and it became rapidly apparent that time, space, everything was relative. It was Everything was twisted in and out. They were hopping planes. They were traveling through dreams they're riding through hell literally um bizarre mechanical uh, apes would show up and try to gun them down with chain guns they met um basically the saint of all killers uh, a number of bizarre crazy ass shit happened and that game was specifically designed to keep the players as ignorant and confused as humanly possible until they figured it out once they figured it out the solution to their problem was very obvious to them. They went, aha, I got it. Let's do this. That lasted for, I want to say, eight, ten sessions, which was pretty, I mean, we would play once a month, but that went on probably for six months. Wow. You know, it that's was a, like, what the fuck is going on? It's but pretty, everything that's a pretty good amount of time for the lost TV show to go on before people get <laughs> exactly. frustrated. Before people get angry about it, right? But I think one of the things, so at the risk of sounding um, like I have it solved, because I don't, this was a group of people I know fairly well. I can read the room and I can talk to these folks because I've known them for 20 plus years. We are having a good back and forth. And I would do my check-ins, my post-game stuff. And I told them going into it, expect the unexpected. This is going to be the craziest, most fucked up thing I've ever attempted as a game master. Are you in or not? They said, let's try this. If it blows, we can bail halfway through and I'll just admit defeat and we'll go. But if you like it, we'll keep going. And I would check every game. You like it? Yeah, this is crazy, fucking weird. I have no idea what's going on, but I love every minute of it. And part of that was they always got data. Every session, they got information. <clears throat> the characters would get something. I'll explain said, yes, Lenny, you're dead on. That's that's the path. You're on the right path. You know, <clears throat> they would hear stuff from me, <clears throat> excuse me, or uncover as play as characters and players. Ooh, this piece of information, this character, this NPC is tied to this NPC, which reminds us of this other game we played that was tied to this other thing. It was a very bizarre yarn <laughs> drawing, right? The beautiful the beautiful mind room. Um, some people have called it, right? You've got all the names and pictures up on a wall drawing connections and diagrams and who's hooked to what and i actually had a prop that i made for them with all these pictures and lines drawn to illustrate the fact that that was the type of thing they had to do to try to figure it out but every session they gained data they knew that the data was critically important they knew that the way it was emphasized they took it in and they started to catalog stuff rapidly saying we learned xyz one two three four five are they all important? We're going to assume it's important 
until such time as we could check it off and say, nope, we've, we've already, we've chased that lead down. We don't care about it. So started to keep a running list individually as a group. They started to work the problem because this was the challenge for them. But they never had a session where nothing new came out, right? And for me, that helped them, that helped me keep the players, especially, um, feel like they were smart people, that they were moving the needle, they're moving the ball forward, marching down the field, whatever analogy you want to have. Some new data came up. They felt like they were able to cross something off the list and say, aha, we're not all dreaming. We are not all dead. We're not in heaven. We are not actually living in hell. Okay, we're not in this world. We're not in this world. They're able to check things off every session, and then they were able to add things in, which, like a puzzle that you buy with no picture on the box, you're just trying to figure out what it is. Okay, we got two ducks in this corner. I got a bird. I got, you know, I, I think it's an owl over there and a car. All right, I have no fucking idea what this picture is going to be, but I know there's a duck, an owl, and a car. Good, we got three things. Celebrate, right? And it was incredibly complicated, and it was very, it was a big-ass puzzle for them to solve as players as well as characters. And for me, Sean, the important part, again, was to make sure that every session they understood that progress was made, and it was very clearly illuminated spelled out to them that you made progress here. This is, you verified this, you verified that, you've ratified this other thing. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, so are you, you, through that discovery, I guess, you, mm -hmm. would, you would tell them, yes, you, that's right. Yes. I would be able to tell them, your character knows, like your character right there, with the, you know, incredible god king of you know logistics knows for a fact that this is correct your character who knows this other thing better than anybody else in the group you know this is right and here's why you know that remember all the other stuff we talked about that totally fits in your character because they would look at me and say okay my character is you know the best at x with that lens can i tell if this is the right answer and I would sometimes would say, yes, and here's why. Or I would say, actually, Zave, you don't. Your character, that lens isn't helping you. However, you do know that Beta's character is better at this other thing than you are. And what you do know is it's not your specialty, it's his. Aha! I go find Beta's character, drag him over here, share this data with him. Beta would say, okay, I think it's this. Is that right? And then we would have the back and forth. It was a little bit of a 20 questions type of approach. Again, it was, it was very odd. It was a very, it, it, I, I think it's kind of an extreme example. But it worked. And I think it worked because I took much the same <clears throat> approach I've done in every Call of Cthulhu investigative style game, anything like that. Similar, where the characters are ignorant and confused about what was going on, who killed whom, um, you've read Mask of Nalathotep, or uh, I'm, my, my, Lenny's taking a break because of um, some stuff with his mom's health, but the um, horror on the Orient Express. There's a lot of weird shit going on. It's very confusing. 
And we all feel very ignorant of what the reality, what the real truth is, what's the real thing, right? Yeah, impossible landscapes is really deep into that. Yeah, it's super hard to deal with. But that's part of the fun is trying to check that stuff off. And those investigative games, as you ran through with the uh, with the Delta Green experiment, which I unfortunately had to bail on, is as the players are noodling through stuff, the hardest times players will have, in my experience, is when they feel that they're not getting anywhere at all, right? No new data has come in, and by that I mean they can't cross something off the list or add anything new to it so they can compare and contrast. And I think sometimes if we don't have an open environment as game masters and players where we allow our players to quote-unquote guess wrong, I have an idea. And I've seen this happen at the table with players as well, where one player will say, oh, I think I know what it is. Really? The group will turn. Like, well, what do you got? Ah, it's kind of dumb. It, I've done that. I've been that person where we'll do that to our to ourselves. Or someone will say their piece and so they'll go, ah, that can't be right. And we'll be dismissive of each other sometimes. And um, or there's a feeling that if we guess incorrectly, Brett as game master, Sean as game master, Eileen as game master, and as game master is going to punish them in some way. Ah, you chose wrong. The world ended. <laughs> ah, you chose wrong. The house explodes. Right. Type of thing. Um, so that could slow people out, cause people to turtle up a little bit because they, they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to be, they don't want to be um, seen as stupid or um, they don't want to fuck up and lead the group down the wrong path. But I'll tell you, man, if when it works and when people feel free to throw out ideas, work together, check for things and so forth, the um, the feeling of accomplishment for cracking the code, if you will, is amazing in role playing game at that point. In, in old school terms, I remember many times you'd come up, uh, you'd see an adventure and some of the published stuff you'd walk up to you'd go, what the, how the hell do I get past this riddle, this challenge, this weird ass thing that Gygax or Arneson or somebody put in front of you like, what the hell is this? You know, I don't know what, you know, Janelle Jacquet was thinking w w when they wrote this sucker, but how the fuck do we get through this? And you sorted it out. There's this huge sense of accomplishment, I think, for my money, that feels better than killing another goblin lord, right? <laughs> or... We fought five more deep ones. Big fucking deal, right? That, that, that to me, some of the juice for, um, for having played for a long time is the um, getting through the ignorance and getting through the confusion, cutting through that stuff versus the combat. So, all right, Sean, I've talked a lot. So what does this make you think about here? You following me or you, you got, what do you want to add in or question me on? Go for it. You have your thoughtful face going. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I. Part of me is like, yeah, it's it's part of RPGs, and it's components of it. it I find it probably more with. Maybe Call of Cthulhu D and D, of course, can have it. I mean, not that it they would or wouldn't. I guess as much as 
how much of the game is made up of this and then how much of it how long do you let it go before the characters get frustrated or we've talked about that yeah. with trailer Cthulhu as well, or, or the gumshoe system itself trying to, you can't get, dr- you can drown yourself in clues. Sure. Which can be equally as frustrating. Like, look, I, I'm a, I'm underwater in concepts and ideas and clues here. What the fuck do I do with all this data? Right. Right. So that can, that can happen too. And, and, and as you say, rightfully, I believe in quote unquote, any game can have it. The call of Cthulhu style game, it's a feature. <laughs> it's built into it. You don't understand the mythos. You technically can't understand the mythos without going insane. You're never going to fully get it unless you go insane. So just you're trying to sort out how to stop it, how to fix or get past the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, let me throw let, let me throw this at you while, while you're noodling. <coughs> I've got this in the notes. I think, quite frankly, explaining everything is boring and can be a waste of time. It's it can amount to a massive lore dump on a player sometimes, and I think it can be it can be a bit challenging because somebody will say, "I don't understand," or "How do I figure this out?" When people are feeling confused, and it, like I said, it's that fine line. Where I don't want to do a, okay, look, your characters all know the story about Lord Soth, right? Yeah. Okay. So you are in Dragonlance, Lord Soth, and, you know, sometimes you you have this feeling, as a game master, for me anyway, where I'm like kind of leading you. Like I'm trying to like hook you and drag you slowly but surely over to water and I'm going to hold you under the water until either you drink or the bubbles stop. (laughs) Right. I don't want to do that. And I think by as a game master, <coughs> excuse me, over explaining and just cutting right to the chase all the time. I th- I feel and my experience tells me that that cheats the players of that feeling of success and elation of I solved it. Right. We figured something out. We put two and two together. We were able to take X, Y, and Z action, and we stopped this bad thing from happening. Or we did the good thing that needed to be done, or whatever the case is. And I think the fine line, as I say, is probably the hardest to define. Like, how far is that? You know, Sean, I I was thinking about it in prep for the show, and I, I think it does depend on you as Game Master and uh, the type of players you have, you know, who's in your group? What can they? What can they tolerate? How can they deal with it? And I think that this also goes back to what you and I have been chatting about for quite some time. Is like that, um, like the stars and wishes approach that that feedback loop, where I'm like, do you like what's happening? Do you feel too confused? Do you feel confused and ignorant? But it's okay because you feel that that's right. You know what I'm saying, Sean? You, you've got it. Because sometimes at the table, it can be hard to read on folks. So, all right, I'm going to really seriously shut up now and let you let you respond to me here. I, I fucking threw a whole bunch of shit at you. Yeah, I think it's uh, the the tricky, you know, the, the intricate 
weaving of multiple plots and making it very murder mystery, you know, the Sherlock Holmes Mm -hmm. piece to me is many of the role-playing games I would run. I don't know if I would, I would put them in that bucket. Sure, there could be some mystery and some unknown, and there's the pieces of discovery. But my fear is that we have this grandiose thing in our brain, and it goes. It kind of goes back to, I'm not sure I want to play that way anymore. Okay, because so, I think that when you weave those things together, yeah. like you can have these. You know, in Dungeon World, they call mm. them fronts, right? You, mm. you know, you got stuff that's moving and things that are occurring and there's consequences for what the party does. But I, it goes back to if I have this huge, oh, I got an idea. I got an idea. This is going to be great. I got this role-playing game. I'm going to do this. I'm going to set them in this. I'm going to have this big, bad, evil person. And then, but they're really not. And then I'm going to have, you know, I'm going to befriend the party and I'm a plant in there, but then they get turned because they realize the big, bad, evil person really is bad. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be a part of that anymore. And then they <clears> come <throat> across these notes and clues. Like some of those things, like masks and horror on the Orient Express and impossible landscapes are all kind of unique. Maybe because they, I mean, they're big campaigns, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is if I have those things written down in concrete and put down, then it's not it maybe to some degree the players discovering and making it their own and then there's a part of well i'm just going to shove my story down their throats and they're going to discover it one way or another yeah there's that that's a that's a piece of the fine line so the other yes. so let me ask you this when you say do i want to play the game more um is that because you uh, let me strike that. Let me come back at this point. So when I ran Avalon for you at Third Floor Wars, yeah, that crew, right? Um, I feel you came in. Everybody had pregens, and you said, "Okay, it's called Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker. What the fuck is this?" That thing at a smaller version versus my Axis Moody game was much the same as what I'm talking about here. You guys had to figure out what the fuck was going on. There was nothing in your face that said, it's this person doing this thing. You need to go stop the X from doing the Y. That didn't happen. Correct? Right. Did did you enjoy that? I did, and I don't think it was at a level that I would... Um, maybe I'm misinterpreting the whole topic, but I'm, I wouldn't see that as a huge issue like i i think sometimes we get overly complicated as game masters oh yeah yeah absolutely yep we can and i and you know i mean puzzles are a good one like oh you know this puzzle is really hard and then we we as a game master put something in front of the players and we're like oh and this is gonna be a good one they come across it to you and to you and i as game masters who came up with this go oh they're gonna it's easy this is easy all this is so easy to for them to grok like i don't know how many clues i could throw in front of them and you will still get players that'll be like dude i don't get it 
I don't, I'm like, we're completely lost. And then you sit there and go, oh, come on. You're like so close. It's like, oh, you're right there. Oh, give me a knowledge check. Oh, geez. Oh, you know this. And then it's like, what the hell? I had that conversation with AJ the other day because he was talking about a, a puzzle or something. And I said, there's a thing Sean and I have been talking about for a number of years now. And one of them is, is no right answer, which is a topic we've talked about. Right. And various phrases, as I said, if you go up there and you give them a riddle and they come up with an answer to the riddle that isn't the answer you had, but God's damn it, it fits, let it work. Right. Agreed. And I, I think that's where the confusion and the ignorance, that's part of that fine line is that we as game masters um, and whoever is, if, if you're putting it up there, whatever it is. Is and again, we're talking traditional game master players type of thing. But if I've got this campaign we're running, and I did this specifically with Access Mundi, and I did it with the um, Avalon game I ran for you and the Third Floor Wars crew, was I had an answer in my head. Then I'm like, this is right. And the reason I come up with that is because I need something to bounce your right answers off of. Okay, so I put something in front of you and I said, this is what's going on in my head. I'm like, I know what this is. I've got it written down right here. A little note. This is what's going on. You guys threw a couple things at me and went and everyone decided, you know what? It has to be this other thing. I was over here on side A and you guys went to B. I looked at that and took your answer and went, you know what? If I bump that up against what I have, it fits. It works. Good enough. Let's go with that. And then I can make adjustments from there. And I think that's a, part of the trap that players will get frustrated with is like, there is only one right answer. There's only one way to solve this problem. I.e., I don't want to guess wrong. Right? Well, is it deep ones or is it the color out of space? I don't know. Is it insects of Shaggy or is it, um, you know, or is it the fungi from Yogoth? I don't, I got to know which one it is because of blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> Cthulhu terms, folks. But anyway, I, I think you're right because if I put something very complicated in front of you and I assume there's only one answer, only one way to do it, that confusion and ignorance at a very micro level comes right up to the front because few things make you feel stupider than I, I personally, Brett can't guess it. I can't argue that my character would know it and my dice are cold. Motherfucker. I can't get past this stupid riddle. I can't solve this problem. I remain confused and ignorant because I had a long day at work. I'm stressed out about my dog being sick and I just can't think straight tonight. So therefore I fail. Great. You know, you feel like a loser, right? And I, I think the, um, for me anyway, as I go through something where I want people to be confused, I want the ignorance to last for a while or they've got to find and figure their way out of it i have a quote-unquote right answer or an answer in my head that works and i have that knowing that you guys as players sean are going to smack against me with different other answers and i'll look at it and go god damn that's right fuck yeah that totally works and then i'll go with that that has a little bit to do with the free forming and stuff and sometimes you do have to go back and maybe that's where you end the session say, okay, cool. We're good here. And you wrap up and make your notes and make your adjustments. But um, does that make sense, Sean? 
we're kind of jumping around here a little bit, but it makes sense because I think you have to do that as a. I think well, you don't have to, but I think that's a better way of handling things that can get uh, perceived as being too complicated. <clears throat> yes. Right. Sure. Yes. I agree. Okay, that's good. Yes. I don't uh, like you to be wrong on the air. It makes me feel sad. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's plenty of time for that to happen. Uh, so, you know, Br- Br- Blake Brink brings this up. He asks if that happens more or less in a world of darkness compared to a D&D game. Well, I would say specifically in my Avalon world, no. I mean, that happened to you guys. I had, you guys had multiple things. You clearly did not know what the fuck was going on. And you chose to go in different paths eventually make your way there i think post game i talked about the fact that had you done certain other things you would have found out other data perhaps faster or different data that may have influenced you to go a different direction um i think it doesn't how do i say this excuse me statically if i just look at the game a DD versus world of darkness versus call of cthulhu versus fate versus savage worlds blah 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 I think it is a style of campaign, right? And almost every system that I can think of off the top of my head has some way for the characters to figure out data. Old school, it was like, look, you as a player should be a good player. Figure that stuff out, you know, come up with it was player skill as much as character skill. We've talked about that, Sean. And another thing that can happen is you, if you could reasonably argue, as Dungeon Crawl Classics would, that my character was a sailor, therefore I would have X, Y, or Z. I know they're deep ones. Good for you. You know, X sailor, current fighter. Good. Good on you, man. I don't think it has to only come up in one game system or another. Because even in um, uh, a D&D classic fantasy style game, there's puzzles, tracks, uh, excuse me, traps, tricks, and other things that can happen. Clues, like who's the murderer, who's the real bad guy, who's the the uh, the demon lord trying to get this cultist to do this thing to summon him. Is it Orcus? Is it Demogorgon? Is it Jubilex or Jubilex, however you want to pronounce it, but whatever's going on. How do I figure that out? Um, some games... I think historically, or at least how they're portrayed, often have very obvious clue by fours, right? I wonder what the name, I wonder what demon lord these people worship. Well, the whole fucking dungeon's full of slimes, molds, and horrible slithering trackers. Probably Jubilex. Probably not Demogorgon. Probably not Baphomet, right? In your D&D game. Cthulhu, on the other hand, has a history or at least a perception in, in Brett's opinion anyway of uh, being a little more nuanced now the level of nuance you want to add in the level of confusion or ignorance you can ratchet that up or down in any game I have played Call of Cthulhu games with people who are running them and it is blatantly obvious that these are deep ones right um, it's just that game <laughs> you can't you can't even as a character i'm like well they're horrible frog fish people that come from the ocean how do you know that says the says the keeper well the last three people we talked to called them blasphemous horrible frog fish people that came from the fucking ocean 
Ah, that's what they are. Let's just call them deep ones. Let's just do that. You know. So I, I, um, I think it's a there are levels of ignorance and confusion that we want in our games because we want people to figure things out. If everything is always so bloody obvious, to me, I think that's when sometimes games can get boring. You know, Sean, where if, if every time, which is one of the things I love about Dungeon Crawl Classics, which we've talked about before, some of the great advice in there was don't name the monster, right? Give it a weird description. If the if every time you encounter the townspeople, they say, oh, the fungi from Yoggoth were in here and they kidnap five people, put their brains in jars. Like, oh, it's me. Go. I'll go deal with it. Um, I know what to do. Oh, wow. Goblins kidnapped my baby. Okay. Or kobold. Sorry. All right. Great. Kobolds took my baby. Great. I know what kobolds are. I'll go deal with that. When there's no ignorance and there's no confusion, sometimes that can be, it can be very straightforward play, which can be enjoyable as well. Nothing, I'm not bemoaning that or saying it's wrong, bad, or stupid. Um, but sometimes we want to ratchet it up a little bit. And um, I think there is, I keep saying a fine line or a line of some sort with how much your group can tolerate. Um, I think the um, the Avalon game, Sean, that I ran for you in the Third Floor Wars crew, I thought we had a pretty good um, amount of weird shit figure this out follow a trail and eventually a conclusion of sorts at the end of it i i think it was pretty clear to you and the other players that that may not be have been the proper answer quote unquote but we answered it good enough <laughs> you know we killed the thing you know your character died but you know we did a good deed or at least epithel so one of the things that you, you said earlier, Sean, was that that's not the type of game you want to run. Is that, let me say, let me think about this. So is there a lesser level or is there lesser? Sounds like it's derogatory. Is there, um, how much confusion and ignorance do you like to have as you're running a game? Like for um, anything you're running, like um, even in your uh, Forbidden Lands game or whatever, do you want them to kind of, maybe that's a bad, maybe that's a bad campaign idea, but. Do you like to have that stuff in there or do you like it more easily surmountable? How do you, how do you prefer it? I mean, I think there's a, a little bit, I don't, I don't mind, but, um, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, I struggle with the, you know, um, oh, they're, or, oh, they're trolls. You throw oil at them and you burn them. Right. Give them a monster that they don't know. Like if I, if part of me is like, if I ran uh, an old traditional D and D game, I'd buy something from Cobalt press and just use their monster books. Yeah. That's, you know? that'd be a good time. Right. And, and so, but with, with plots, I guess, I guess with, with more of how I think about running plot based scenarios, is I would see what the players come up with on their own. And if it's something that's viable and doesn't have the wrong or right answer, like to me, I don't want to have the wrong or right answer. I don't want, part of me is like kind of to a point where it's like, I don't want to read Tomb of Annihilation knowing you're going to end up, hey, spoilers, you're going to end up having to go and kill a freaking Demi-Lich. I mean, it already is at the beginning of the scenario kind of told to you anyway. Yeah. Like, that's what you've got to do. Like, there is no secret. There is no mystery. You got to go and do this. Oh, okay. Dur, dur, dur. Mm -hmm. 
Um, curse of Strahd. You're going in to Ravenloft. Hey, guess what? Strahd's the big bad. You're going to end up having to confront him eventually. Yeah, it says so in the goddamn tin. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, it's derived from Ravenloft. What's that about? I mean, it's just got some, um, I don't want to say baggage to it, but it's. So more and more, I'm wanting to just come up with certain situations, whether it involve NPCs, a monster, something that they find. And let the players go with whatever's in front of them. And if I have something that's kind of meta based around it, like, oh, they found this scepter. And this scepter is derived from a queen that ruled the land a hundred years ago. And oh, by the way, her spirit exists within the jewel at the end of the scepter. And if they pick it up, this is what's going to happen. And if they figure out what that is, then great. And if they don't, it doesn't prevent whatever the item. It doesn't is. derail the entire campaign because it, didn't it doesn't do the derail thing. the campaign and the yeah. scepter is going to do whatever it's going to do because of the properties of it versus, you know, yeah, I mean, they could get cursed and somebody would say, Oh, how do we remove the curse? And then it's a matter of like, we got to figure mm. out that piece or, why is this person doing this? Oh, now we discovered that they are cursed. Now we have to figure out. Like those kind of discoveries may seem very elementary to me. And, and even with Delta Green, to your point, Brett, like I agree with you. Like Delta Green, when I ran the latest um, Hourglass. You know, those guys were kind of coming up with their own kind of, well, this is this must be what's going on. So we have to go out there and we have to burn the church down and we have to kill that kid yep. and do this or do that. And they that's to them is the solution. And I go, okay, sounds good. And I let the players do it. I don't tell them if they're doing it right or wrong. I just, going to your point though, if they're kind of like session ends, we start the next one, I recap or even during the session recap, because I think when you're playing something specific like Delta Green and Call of Cthulhu, Massive Nairal at the tap, or on the Orient Express, you get so overwhelmed that they're going to forget the stuff that they already have. Yeah, we've talked about that. You've got to have the whiteboard session, the beautiful mind of this. Now, remember, right. you uncovered XYZ, da 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 Yeah, you See know all these fucking all handouts this. I gave right. you? Shift or, through the handouts. These last five on the top. Or ones, yeah. it's the, I don't know what to do. We've talked to 10 people and we're still kind of like derp. Well, yep. here's what you discovered talking to those 10 people. And oh, by the way, there's these five other people that were involved somehow that you haven't done anything with. with. Yeah, yeah. You know, do you want to do anything with those? So with those, it's kind of like pointing out really more of the obvious some of the notes quote unquote the notes they didn't put down but they they would know if they just retained everything right well the other piece too is that players are going to have art that we take all the notes we can but again somebody that put their cat down two days ago they got in a fight with their kid they have to deal with this other thing at work or they had a bad day at school and you come to the game and you don't happen to remember what the one little scribbled note on your thing that says check the box question mark you don't know what the fuck that is because you don't remember it offhand your character would totally remember it because they're not you they didn't have to take the dog to the vet in right. an emergency situation you know blah 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 
So, Sean, let me, I'm going to throw, we're running a little bit long, but I think this bears thrown out there. One of the things that Matt Colville's talked about that I, I think is interesting here, too, I didn't want to forget to bring this up, is the, the other thing that's fun about um, Kevin Excathedrick's statement. I think that would be the proper phrase here. So he, he has an example. So he has these um, Good King Omens Dragonborn phalanx. Dragonborn are a specific thing in his world of Ord. He has stated the Dragonborn um, are incorruptible. The Dragonborn phalanx are incorruptible. He has been asked, this is ancient history now, he was asked at one point, what makes them incorruptible? And uh, Matt had said that, like, I think the person was asking me, like, what game mechanic is that? But that's not a fact. It's just a thing that people believe, right? It isn't necessarily 100% true. It's like signal fidelity, right? Like, what's a lie? What's not, what's not true? And I think so I on. remember either you bringing this up or me yeah. <clears throat> seeing this on Matt's and, um And I have done that as well. And it, it can kind of add add to the confusion and ignorance. Confusion a lot of times. When someone will say something in-game, an NPC. Um, and this is where I think, is, uh, excuse me, as Game Masters, we have to be cautious as well because... Sometimes when I am speaking as Game Master, people, ooh, the Game Master said it, therefore it's true. Right? There's no confusion with what the Game Master said. I know said. where you're going with this. The NPC, on the other hand, says things that they believe are true in their world. So in Avalon, you ask somebody, they'll say, do not talk to a lamplighter. They'll fucking kill you. Do not talk to one. They'll gouge your eyes out. Do not speak to one. It's near death. Oh, my God. Nobody does that. I know three people who did it from my cousin's sister's brother's former roommate's cousin. Yeah, they all died. Don't do that. That is just stuff people say that people believe is true. Alligators in the sewers, right? Or ROUS is living in the sewers. Whatever the case is. Rodents of unusual size for people who don't know Princess Bride. Um, but those things can also cause confusion. And that when I think when I have said that stuff in the past and I, I say those things, I have learned to watch the group immediately. And if somebody, and if I can't, if I can tell somebody's taking it as truth, like, Oh, Brett said this, therefore it's true. Cause he's game master. Well, you're establishing or, a, you're, you're establishing a setting. Yes. Trope feeling concept. Constant. Something. Yes. A fact. A tro uh, yeah, yeah. A fact of the Gravity setting. exists on Earth. Does it exist on Earth? How does he. Yeah. Who who's <laughs> yeah. telling. Oh, the Earth yeah. is flat. Who's telling me this? Is yes. Brett the DM or is this some crackpot? The NPC. NPC, right. So I will use phrases to help people know that I, Brett, am not trying to confuse them. What I'm telling you is that you're talking to Mirith the Mapmaker, and Mirith the Mapmaker tells you by pointing at the chart. No one has ever gone beyond this island and lived. That is what Mirith is telling you. Oh, Brett's not telling me. Mirith the Mapmaker is telling me. Good to know. Good to know. The characters react to it like, well, hey, rumor is no one's ever come back. That's a very obvious one. But something like Matt Colville said, the dragon failings are incorruptible. He also has an example at one point where he talks about how feudalism worked in his world, where he, uh, somebody said they were having an argument a political argument, and the one um, dragonborn person said, she's a bonded knight on your land, or something along these lines. She cannot refuse. That's a very dramatic, you have to do this thing because of this rank and this title 
And the way this feudalism works, this person must behave in such a way. And as Matt would say, if you think about it, you know that's not true. Anybody can break any rule anytime they want, right? But when NPCs state those things, um, it says some really cool stuff about the world. It can help drop some lore, right? Without um, without doing a big lore dump. But the con- the challenge to it is the confusion aspect, in my opinion, that you can bring out to people if when you say things as Game Master, even as Game Master through an NPC's mouth, to make sure that people understand where it's coming from. You know what I'm saying? I do. Like, and Brett, your, to, your example of whatever his name is and saying yeah. that this doesn't happen or whatever, that's... The thing is with books and movies and some of the things that we've taken into consideration as entertainment, mm-hmm. and when we watch those, those are true, like or they are portrayed to be true. So when I talk to the mad scientist and he says, no, no, like this, we've never had a human go faster than the speed of light. It's never been done before. When you watch the movie or read the book, you take that almost as canon, even if- Correct. You, right. Until it's divulged otherwise, honestly. Yeah, and but if you think about it, like in the real world, people say shit to you all the time. That people just believe are true. Take politics out of it. It just sure. shit is said, right? You know, there is a problem with X, or everybody knows. Insert here, whatever it is you want, right? Um, I'm a hunter, so people will tell you, well, obviously. The only way to do X is with this velocity, this speed, and this type of bullet. Okay. Not true. But people will say statements that are like always, never, very. I know. Like when somebody says, hey, leave us a review for our podcast. It helps us get found in Apple Podcasts. Oh, uh-huh. I yeah. understand now because that's complete <laughs> bullshit. Exactly. Oh, but people believe but it everybody to be true. says it anyway. Everybody, Why? Because they, they hear believe it from it. every other damn podcast that's wrong. Exactly. Oh. But this there's um this is where I, I, I think it's interesting because when the NPCs are doling out because you're talking to the NPC, you want to act as the NPC and you're you're saying things in the NPC's voice in one way or the other, funny voices outside, but you're trying to relay the data and this happens a lot in a um i i shouldn't say a lot but it can be even more confusing in a call cthulhu or delta green game you go up and you talk to someone you talk to the police officer in your delta green game and she reports back to you that they've had no problems at that church and no one has ever called in a complaint and the only person who's ever come in and voiced any real concerns is a crazy lady who bitches about everybody Okay, well, I guess that's true. Yeah, I, I ran right? into that with Delta Green. They took everybody so you can, you can, for face value. If you, yeah, if you take everything at face value in those games, it can be very frustrating because yeah. you're like, oh, we talked to big, everybody and they told yeah. us nothing's going yeah. on. So I don't know I what we're even doing ignorance. here. <laughs> I mean, my ignorance is right. what happened. How do I stop it? That, right. That's what I'm ignorant on. The problem yeah. now is the confusion piece is like, who do I trust? So for me, for my money as Game Master, one of the things I do is Keeper, GM, whatever title you want to give me, is I try to, when I go through stuff and I hear the players go, I don't know what to do, exactly what you said, Sean. It's like, now remember, you talk to that cop, and that was their perspective. 
That was her perspective. That was their perspective. That was his perspective. That was this other person's perspective. Using simple words like their perspective, or if you believe what they told you, then this is true. Right? Right. I don't need everybody to make a bullshit text detector check right. Right. all the time. Well, that's, that's, let's pile it on, right? Yeah. Perception, yeah. insight, then, shit. Yeah. And then you fucking Signet, fail uh, constantly. This was, yeah. Can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? Can yeah, I do yeah, it? Exactly. <laughs> but I think into, um, and we'll, we'll talk about that in the Dice Hate Me episode coming up. But the, <coughs> excuse me, goddamn, water. Um, but I think it's important. Sometimes the, the words we use and how we do it to help people understand that it is confusing, but take a moment and think about what was said, right? explaining how this was given to them or making sure that as the character is in some cases a hell of a lot smarter than the player. I have this happen to me all the time. I'm playing a person who is like deep former black ops Uber ninja guy. That ain't me. <laughs> right? That's not Brett. So I'm like, well, uh does that background help me at all? And sometimes Rolling dice is the way to get the answer. And other times, as a game master, for my money, I would rather tell people, as your profession, you would know, right? You're a, you're a profiler for the FBI in this Delta Green game, right? Yeah. You know for a fact that not everybody here would tell the truth. That's potential that this person's lying. Oh, are they lying? Well, if you want to push it, we're going to need a roll of some kind. Right. So I went from a freebie a la like a um, uh, a gumshoe type of answer where there's a bit of a freebie, maybe a spend, get more where I go from, OK, here's a bit of freebie stuff. I'm, I'm warning you. You are confused. But here's why. <laughs> oh, in how my, do I get past this little bit? Give in my situation, roll. they all failed rolls. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. We'll talk about that next well, next episode. But <laughs> fuck, everybody, yeah. everybody's telling us the truth. I don't know what to do. All right, man. So that those are the main pieces I wanted to grab onto for today. I, I think there's there's a shit ton to unpack here between you and I. And if I didn't want to dive deep into any specific techniques per se. So um BSers, if you folks listen to this and you're like, huh, interesting, tell me more. Let us know what you'd like to hear more about and we'll dive into it. If you've got tools, methods, tricks, things that you have done to help um cut the confusion maintain the ignorance right how, how do we is, have you found a level or a way that you gauge things sometimes as we said it, it's it's helpful to have as you investigate your way through and so on um but anyway let's know what you think if you want more about this or if you got some ideas tips or tricks yourself obviously share that stuff man because uh we'll more than happy to share it with everybody else you good john i'm good dude all right let's die roll it up. all right let's get into die roll die roll Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bang and share with you. Uh, we got one, two, three, four, five this week. First one's a gimme. It's uh, a link to a Matt Colville video. It's one of his older ones, but kind of inspired me. I was thinking about different stuff. I'm like, where have I heard this before? And I found the video. I'm like, ah, yes, here's a good illumination. So yes. anyway, take a look at that link in the show notes, of course. Yes. What do you got out here, man? The second one is the thousand-year-old vampire uh, role-playing game. So, I, Brett, I, I mentioned this on Saturday to some folks. 
uh, I went to go pick, I ordered the Twilight 2000 GM screen. FLGS called me, went out there, picked it up, went through their small, uh, well, that was all right inventory, and came across this. Now, I had heard about it. It's a solo role-playing game. But I picked up the book, man, and I was I was very, very impressed with- Were you? Oh, yeah, man. It is, where is it? Right here. Check. I'm going to check this out, man. And I just want to just show- people like why I'm impressed is like, you see the, the fleck on that, Brett? I don't know if you can see, hold on a second. Yeah, 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 I can see that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. See the gold in yeah. there? It's got oh, a couple yeah. couple ribbons. That's, like, this, that's a nice print. This Internal is, quality yeah. good. God damn, that's not, a, that's not a small book. No, it's not. It's uh, about two, uh, 150, 354 pages. God damn, now you're going to make me go find this fucking thing. I'm, t- I'm, I was, like I, I had mentioned this before that I am not a big vampire guy, right? I didn't play World of Darkness or anything like that, but I picked up that book and I'm like, I'm gonna buy this thing, and because it, it was impressive, like the, the inside and the pages and what, yeah. So, anyways, there you go. Uh, we've got we'll have links to PDF and print versions. Um, it's obviously out of stock at Noble Knight, but it's, I was like, wow. It's, a, it's, it's one of those where it's like uh, Red and Pleasant Land, right? You get the book and you're like, wow, this is really neat. Yeah. Cool, right? That's, that, I would cool. even say it's a notch above it, honestly, but in quality. Nice. Like, as far okay. as like packaging goes. Yeah. Nah, you sold me a fine, fine, fucking fine, all right, come on, come on. Uh, the next one, D&D Essential Ugly Christmas Sweater. Uh, I love this thing. Thanks, Eric Salzweedle, for putting it out there. I know some of, uh, I think Marco's got this in a t-shirt format, but I think warning, this- <laughs> Warning, Essential NPC, do not <laughs> maim, rob, or kill. And I, and I just have to say, when I say ugly Christmas sweater, I just, it's really not that ugly a Christmas sweater, honestly. I think I kind of like it, but- I love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sending this to my wife right now. Yeah. I'm saying I, I want this. Tell her like, yeah, what size and everything. That's awesome. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Next one, uh, four by four. Uh, I think uh, Harrigan posted this in our discord. This is the first illustrated survival guide. Now this is not, as far as I know, this is not RPG related. Okay. Hey. But it does tell you how to survive a pandemic, a zombie attack, which I think is probably right around the corner. Uh, I assume nu- so, yes. Nuclear winter, maybe, uh, and global warming. There have been guides that have been put out for surviving a zombie attack, which has been, you know, I've nonfiction. Got, I've got, yeah, yeah, I've got one. Yeah. yeah. So I looked at this. It's like fully funded, $367,000, a 12K. It ends December 18th, 2021. So by the time this drops, it'll be almost done. Uh, but this would be good. Why would we bring it up? Are we preppers? Well, we could be, but uh, it could be great incentive and inspiration. Incentive, not incentive, inspiration for your role playing game. Yeah, this is not an incentive for anybody to start the apocalypse. <laughs> please, please, for the love of God, don't do that. But hey, it could be a role playing uh, reference manual. There you go. Moving I mean, on. it's illustrated, so it tells you like just watch the video. You know, it'll tell you how to do stuff. It looks um, pretty cool. Yeah. And then let's see. I'm gonna skip to the last one and go to vote for your favorite RPG podcast. So Morris 
and Ian World is doing this again this year. I think we've always been in the top 10. Oh, wow. Hey, and we are. so they're doing it again. Somebody, you guys were nice enough to nominate us. Vote for us. Don't vote for us. Vote for somebody else on the list. That's fine. Give somebody some recognition that they deserve. Um, That's all. Yeah. I mean, that, that the coolest part about this is Sean, I always give her, hey, did, did you put anything for any words? Nope. Forgot again. Ah, fuck it. Whatever. You know, it's just, we're, we're doing this because we love doing it. And no, I mean, I think those of you who listened to us for the last seven years know we're not kidding when we say that. But if there's somebody out there like, wow, I really like this podcast. They made the list. Cool. They could really use a kick. Go for it, man. I don't care. There's some recognizable podcasts on there. We got Craig's on there. He's listed Third Floor Wars. I, of we can't compete hit with him because he's high roller. I just, so, you yeah, know. We do we do the best we can on what we got. It's like going up against the giant there. Uh, Appendix N, Brett and I have both been on before. Uh, I, the one I can't, I, I like Ken and Robin, but Ken and Robin talk about stuff. It's not an RPG podcast. It's just, it's it's got, no, it is not an RPG podcast. There's RPG stuff in their podcast, but it's not an RPG podcast, in my opinion. Carry on. Some quality podcasts on there. And if you haven't recognized some of these, it might be one you want to put on your catcher. But anyways, yeah. there's the list. And then that's actually my, my favorite my favorite thing for this list, Sean, is I'm like, oh, 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 I wanna I wanna listen to that one. I've heard about that. I forgot to I forgot to download that one. Yeah, I always do that. That's yeah. awesome. And then the other one is for actual plays. So if you like oh, an actual cool. play that's out there, which are probably where I might hit. The only thing I have a problem with actual plays is it would be nice if I don't they're a show and then they have three or two Actual plays, I sometimes wish they would just do Delta Green, play it, put it out there as a show, start a new one, put it out there, it's, but they mix them all up and it drives me nuts, but that's just me. Nah. Do your thing. Uh, and then the last one I'll say, Jerry Steffick Memorial Call for the Cure. We've brought this up before. We've brought it up years before. We brought it up about a month ago. Corey Welsh is big into this. Jerry was a member of our community that we lost cancer in 2018. They do this every year as a fundraiser. Proceeds, I said, go to LS, ALS. They don't go to ALS. They go to ACS, which is the American Cancer Society, which is a cause that's, I'm an LLS guy, but hey, hey screw cancer. Uh, so the reason I bring this up is, one, you'll know that it's going on. And I think they're doing this on the DCC Mayhem channel on Twitch. They're streaming it. But I let Corey know that I'm available on Saturday if they need a player. So if I don't stream Saturday, it's because I'll be in a game in with Brendan LaSalle at 8 a.m. Central Time on the DCC Mayhem channel. Okay, so so if you are in a Brendan LaSalle game at 8 a.m., you need to Uber caffeinate, dude, because that guy will blow right past you. Yeah, I'll be fine. That guy's got a lot of energy. So I'm just saying. Dude, I get sure up at like you... six. I make a run to Starbucks. Just, I'm like, I'll be. I'm good. just saying, I, I, you need a, you need the biggest Starbucks bucket you can, and then I need a line of vanilla cokes in front of you because you're going to need to stay caffeinated throughout. All right, consider it done. No, I just want to make sure you're good. So, I don't know. They may be full, and if they are, then I won't be in there. But that doesn't mean you, you don't you. You can't support the the cause, so very cool. I gotta have a word with Corey because he's got information coming into our inbox. He's got this website, and I'm like, dude, you need to tell me when, where, what time, and how. Like, and not have me search all over the place. Like, there was part of me like, I know this is at Ethermeet, but is it online? And what channel? Where do I tell people to go to view this thing? 
And then I'm like, oh, somewhere the cool part, in here. Corey, we love you, man. This is an awesome thing, right? <laughs> and it, it's, as Sean, as you know, it's, it's shit super hard to organize. You want to get word out. You're trying to figure things out. It's it's tough to do. Yeah, I get it. It's it's The cool part is, though, great people, awesome cause, all the right reasons to do this type of stuff. So this is pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. he's, he, they, they are doing, like, giveaways, and there are sponsors for this. And here's the schedule, right? that they've got going on uh, that's dedicated to this. Here's some loot thing. So anyways, check it out. We'll have links all down below and in the show notes for everybody to check out. Thank you so much. And and Corey, well done on doing that every year and keeping uh, Jerry's oh God, yeah. name alive and, and doing good for the cause. So I'll see what I can do. That's it. Uh, for this week's show, Brett, what are we talking about next week? We're talking about what our dice hate us, Sean. What do we do <laughs> with the dice and our randomizer of choice? Because this is shit that Sean and Brett deal with all the time. Put a <laughs> D20 in Sean's hand, put a D20 in my hands, and you'll see two men who can't roll above a 10 for hours on end. Spoilers, the next episode topic is going to be I just throw the dice and chuck them <laughs> across the room. What else? So when Brett goes, does that ever happen to you, Sean? What do you do when that happens? I'll go, well, the first thing I do is pick up the freaking dice that have been doing me wrong, and I chuck them at the nearest wall. I had a friend wall. of mine who used to, uh, who we played, uh, we were playing AD&D, second edition at the time. He had a big mound of dice in front of him, and anytime it failed Andy, and it rolled a one, he said, fuck it, he threw it over his shoulder. He had a pile of them behind him at the end of a six-hour session. He chucked it over his shoulder. He then collected them, and I shit you not, he collected them put them in a pile, melted them with a torch and put them in his freezer. So he had this, like this, conglo- this glob of melted fucked up dice. Gelatinous he then, dice. He then brought that frozen chunk to the next game session, put them down next to his other dice and said, let that be a warning to you. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's what we're talking there. about. Next. Yeah. We're, we're talking about some other stuff. A a valid, more. valid, valid. Valid response. Response. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Well, I just want to thank everybody who joined us here on YouTube as we uh, record this live every Monday night at 8 p.m. Central Time here on YouTube. Just GamingNBS.com forward slash YouTube. Good to see everybody. Thank you for joining. Absolutely. And uh, if you uh, don't want to, can't see us live, then get to the podcatcher of choice and subscribe there. Uh, thank you very much. So for Gaming NBS, I am Sean. Good night, Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming MBS produced with help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Merkel Froelich, Pure Mongrel, Brett Pazinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValley, C.W. Mellencamp, Victor Wyatt, Craig Huber, Roger Brasslett, Stephen Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Todd Crapper, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Howe, Ron Bishop, Mark Richman, Chad Glayman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Maurice, Niall Diamond, Aaron Ralia, <gasps> Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, H.N. or Henry, Colcago, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, 
Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Phil McClory, Adam Grotejohn, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries, Christian, Larry House, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcas, Chris Shore, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Vornak, Farty McButterpants, Andrew Lear, Craig Chunglo, Eric Lunsford, Ty Prunty, Feeling Good Lewis, Ziga Pradzik, Nick Westbrook, John Mahoney, Crystal Eggstead, and Zalea. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been a Litterbox Box Studio, Studio production. production.